I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Alright, welcome back Geoholics, episode 172. Uh, good to be back in the studio. We've got Peter with us tonight. How are you, Peter? Hello, I'm good. All the way over in Australia. Yeah. No Sean tonight. No, this is a really mm. weird thing. It's a first for me. I I'm know. sitting in the studio all by myself. <laughs> oh man, so thank goodness Peter was able to join us. We're going to have a good conversation this evening. What's new with you? Uh, oh, I've been so, so busy, but hey, yesterday I got to speak on a panel um, to females, young females around 16 about, you know, working in the property industry and nice. surveying and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that was pretty cool. That Enjoyed is cool. That. How many, uh, mm. how many young ladies were there? I think there was about 30, 35 young females there from about four different schools down on the South Coast. So yeah. Super was, cool. Yeah. What was the level of interest? Was pretty good actually okay. um you know so i had to explain what surveying was and when i actually mm -hmm. explained what it was and said that i was a pilot and all the cool things you got to do that um, yeah. yeah the interest you sort of picked up a bit so yeah yeah you played the uh, pilot kind of the pilot in. card i did yeah i did <laughs> yeah that gets them excited gets them right? all the yeah. time <laughs> like, she's a pilot no way yes <laughs> oh man well we are in, in, the, in the new studio um, man, oh man, this thing, this place is coming together. I'll, I'll post some pictures here soon. Mm, um, it's looking good. Still kind of getting used to it. You know, we got the, the acoustic panels up now, which is good. I know the, the audio from the last episode, which was our first episode in the new studio. We had nothing up on the walls, like nothing. It was just basically a bare room. So, um, hopefully this one's going to be a little bit better, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I had a birthday recently since we, uh, since we last recorded. You did. I did. What'd you do? Um, well, oh, how old are you, Kent? You're getting on in years uh, now. Old. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> I am old. <laughs> I'm officially in the older generation of surveyors. I'm close I was about to, to say that. I'm getting close to the average age of a surveyor, mm. which is interesting, mm. right? Huh. It is. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But uh, yeah, I had a good birthday, very relaxing, went up north, spent some time in the cool weather and the cool pines and ate nice. some pizza, drank some beer. It was, uh, it was nice. Good to get away. It's that time Sounds of year. relaxing. Starting to warm up here in, in the valley, Valley of the Sun, as they say. Um, you know, pretty much from here on out, it's going to be anywhere from 95 to 115 for the next four months. So um, get out of this. That's too hot. Get out of this hellhole <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, well, um, Pete, I You were traveling. You were traveling. I'm doing a lot of traveling with the new gig, yeah. which I absolutely love. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's great. And this, this month alone... Um, I was in California the last three days visiting a couple of our offices there. Next week, I'm going to be at the Canadian National Surveyors yep. Conference up in uh, uh, Quebec. Well, mm -hmm. then I go back to California for a few days. Then I go to Portland for a leadership conference. And then wow. Orlando for the FIG conference, mm -hmm. hopefully. And uh, just a very busy month, no doubt. I don't think I've ever done this much traveling in one month in my life. Racking up your frequent miles. Yeah. Well, I could probably add up all of my airtime and it still won't compare to what you have to do when you fly to the states i know right so far away it's yeah, a exactly. long way for you <laughs> absolutely um yeah peter i didn't confirm with you before do you have the uh, show notes in front of you i do okay yes. tell us about that opening number 
Okay, so Reptilia by The Strokes. The Strokes are an American rock band that formed in New York City in 1998. The band consists of lead vocalist Julian Casablancas, guitarist Nick Valencia and Albert Hammond Jr., bassist Nikolai Frechua and drummer Fabrizio Moretti. Oh, there's some names in there. That was good. <laughs> did, Sean, I, did I get them right? Sean, I don't know. We'll see. Yes, I think the you band. Did. Yes, Sean could never have done that. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. That's good. I'm doing all right then. The band is often described as garage rock or post-punk revival with influences from bands like the Velvet Underground, mm, love them, the Stooges and the Modern Lovers. While their sound has evolved over time, the band has maintained their signature style and continues to be popular with fans of alternative and rock, indie rock. The band's influence can be seen in the work of many contemporary indie rock and garage rock bands. Yeah, cool. and I can say I am definitely a fan of this this, cool. this band. Yeah, yeah I've uh, had the opportunity to see them once, and gosh, I don't know. It was, I think it was before the pandemic, of course. Um, but great, great show, and I was really excited when our guest this evening said that they were a Strokes fan. So, uh, good stuff there. And just a reminder: um, when you're a guest on the show, you have input on the music that we that we use, and then we add every song to our Spotify playlist. So, if you're on Spotify, make sure you what I guess favorite like what have you the spotify playlist because there's like i don't know over 14 hours of music in there yeah and it's such a good variety of music it's awesome and if you can't find it just jump onto the geoholics website and you'll be able to click the link there yeah it's another avenue for sure Perfect. We are in the Wisdom Wednesdays studio this evening. Um, Wisdom Wednesdays, of course, is a weekly sort of a a book club for surveyors. And uh, it's another one of Trent Keenan's efforts. So you know it's a good thing. Um, Mm -hmm. To find out more, just go to wisdomwednesdays.xyz. And um, I just realized, I think he and I talked about it, but he also has uh, once a month Roundtable Tuesdays. Were you aware of that? I was. Oh, okay. Yes. I haven't been to any, but no, I was aware that he does do them. They've only just started up again, I think. I think so. I think so. Yeah. And I know, you know, the summer months coming, things kind of slow down a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, I think he may be taking a break with uh, Mentoring Mondays is my understanding. But he also has his uh, 15th year anniversary gala coming up in Las Vegas. Yeah. So that's coming up on May 19th, I believe. And um mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully I'm going to be able to make it up there for that, for sure. I'm sure it's going to be a great time. Um, oh, it'd be an awesome time. Nothing Trent does is, uh, he doesn't do anything half ass that guy. Definitely not. None whatsoever. All right. Seen that firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Time for the Airworks somewhat random trivia. Peter, what do you got for us this evening? Oh, okay. So the world's most expensive map was the first to name America. The U.S. Library of Congress paid a record $10 million for German cartographer Martin Waldseemuller's Universally Cosmographia. Oh, God, you're giving them to me tonight. I know. Uh, a wall map of the world printed in 1507. Crazy. So it is the only surviving copy of the map, which was the first to use the name America. Wow. Wow. $10 million. Yeah. $10 million. Wow. Do you think that's money well spent? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I put you on the spot with <laughs> I that I can one. think of other things to spend yeah. $10 million on. But no doubt. No doubt. That's no, it'd cool, be though. very cool to see. 1507. That's amazing. Mm, wow. Yeah. All yeah. right. That's uh, all my time. 
just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> next up, the Advanced Geodetic Surveys Weekly Words of Wisdom. And I picked a couple quotes this week because time management has been a bit of a challenge. We've had a lot, I've personally had a lot of things going on between work mm -hmm. and, you know, podcasts and getting the new studio set up. And there's just a million things all happening at once. And typically I strive under those circumstances, but um, I've had to like sit back, take a deep breath and just kind of like reevaluate things in order to reprioritize. So I picked a couple really good time management quotes. Uh, the first one is the shorter way to do many things is to only do one thing at a time. That's interesting because I'm oh. very guilty of trying to do six things at any given time. Mm -hmm. and Me too. And that, uh, that was Mozart, of all people. And this other one's great. If you want to make good use of your time, you've got to know what's most important and then give it all you've got. Same type mm -hmm. thing, just in different words, right? Yep. And that, of yep. course, is uh, Lee Iacocca. That one makes more sense. It does. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know, PETA, firsthand that you are guilty of doing way too many things at once. Oh, so guilty of it. Mm. Um, I'm one of the worst. Yeah. yeah. I, I admit it. It's yeah. my weakness. What's your, uh, like, what, what is your strategy when you get in that situation to kind of get out of that funk? Do you just kind of pick one thing and be like, I got to get this <laughs> thing done now? Who said I get out of the funk? <laughs> mm. It's a constant. It's a constant. It's yeah. Constant. This it's is rotating. My, this is my life. It's rotating. Yes. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No. It's pick what what needs to get out now. What is what needs to be done right now at this very moment. And yep. yeah. But yep. then I kind of get sidetracked on other things and then jump back to it. Yeah. I'm the worst. I'm shocking. Oh man. I don't know if you're the worst, but you're pretty bad. Uh, I don't know how I actually survive in life and how I actually get things done. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, all right, let's get our guest in here. Yes, let's. Hold on a second. Looking forward to this. Me too. Where am I at here? Okay. I'm pulling up some bio information here. Mm. Again, bear with me. Things are a little bit different this evening. All right. We have presented by XYHT Magazine. Let's not forget that. And if you have not got your free subscription to XYHT Magazine, you're definitely, definitely missing out. So go to their website. Go to subscribe. It's free. It takes less than three minutes. All right. We have, and I feel so bad. I forgot to confirm how we say Phil's last name. We have <laughs> Philip. I'm going to, hopefully I got this. Philip Barreto. That's, I'll take that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, All right. Good Philip Barreto. <laughs> and, and it's okay to call you Phil? Yeah, Phil's fine. Philip's good. Awesome. Uh, yeah, sure. So a little bit about Phil before we jump into this. Phil was born in Burbank, California. I was just there yesterday, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, and he was born on Super Bowl Sunday. That's pretty cool. Um, I guess we can ask him which Super Bowl that was. That'll tell us how old he is. Phil, what Super Bowl was All that? Right. Uh, well, I got a story pretty much about everything I put down on there. Um, let's just go through it, I guess. Do uh, it. Super Bowl 21. It was Super Bowl 21. Uh, it was the Super Bowl between the Giants and uh, somebody. I don't remember. The Giants won. Okay. Uh, Super Bowl was held in Pasadena, which is, uh, you know, hot skipping a jump over from Burbank, about 30 minutes down the road, maybe. Yep. Uh, Super Bowl MVP that year, Phil Sims. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Is, Is that, that how you got your name? <laughs> no, my parents don't <laughs> understand American football. <laughs> Fair enough. Me, me, me yeah. neither. Yeah, there you go. So, Phil, you grew up, it uh, looks like, in a few different places. Uh, Los Angeles, Beverly mm. Hills, Rio de Janeiro, and Miami. Tell us about that. you got to ask that question. How'd that happen? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, we moved around a lot. That's the <laughs> long story. Of that my uh, my parents are Brazilian, and they okay. are from Rio, and they came over to the U.S. to L.A. in '81. Nice. And so I was actually born in L.A. and um, I grew up there for mm-hmm. the most part. And I would always go to Rio for summer vacation to hang out with my parents' families, awesome. right? My all my cousins, my grandparents, aunts and uncles, and everybody's still down there. At the time, they're not all still down there anymore, but that's a different topic altogether. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I used to do summers in Brazil, in Rio. Um, Grew up in LA. Uh, My mom used to work in Beverly Hills, actually. And so, and um, for a couple of years, we actually lived in the city and I entered the school system. So I was enrolled in, uh, I went went to Beverly Hills High School, you know rubbed elbows with the uh with the Brandon Walshes of the world if you will I was gonna say the uh, night what is it 90210 (laughs) yeah and um but then we moved to Miami when I was uh I want to say 16 yeah junior year and so I finished uh you know finished high school in Florida went to the University of Florida and um I guess that's done growing up at that point (laughs) yeah well some of us some some of us never grow up I guess um so University of Florida what what kind of a degree did you get uh i got a degree in sport management actually. sports management. Okay. science and sports management yeah cool awesome and uh on that note you're also the commissioner of your fantasy football league the big tabowski yeah a play on tebow obviously yeah uh, i didn't even create that name that was a, a friend of mine it's yeah. actually um a, a league that i've been in for 10 years with a bunch of guys from uh one of my previous jobs at the la galaxy gotcha and um uh, a few years ago, we needed a commissioner and somebody recommended me and I said, all right, yeah, I'll step in to keep the league going. And so that kind of started and snowballed and I've been doing it for, I think, four years now. Nice. How long, uh, so how long have you been playing fantasy football though? Has it been a while? Oh, long time. Forever. Yeah, since like, yeah, since like 2006 or seven, something so like that. Does it, do you I, go- need, I need that explained to me. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's so definitely not this one. <laughs> yeah. Does it go back to the days? Like I've been doing it with a bunch of high school buddies for like 25 years. I think it was our 26th year coming up. And I remember when wow. we first started doing it, the commissioner literally besides the draft being, you know, totally old school, but the commissioner was going through the newspapers, you know, every weekend and like physically going through and tracking statistics and calculating points and stuff like that. Now it's to be a commissioner. It's like, it's simple. I don't say it's simple, but it's nothing like it used to be. Oh yeah, definitely. I've heard those stories. I never did anything like that. Uh, I don't think I'm quite that old. Sorry, Kent. That's okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Have you worked out the year yet, Kent? (laughs) <laughs> no i haven't actually it's, it's too much math too much math I can tell you if you need me to. so so phil you're you're currently a uh well you're an lsit correct yeah correct. and and you're uh you're uh, a crew chief mm-hmm. do you want to share who you work for or do you want to keep that an anonymous that's fine i work for a company called somos somos um, yeah okay yep very yeah, we're a big company, company uh-huh. um out of southern california and northern california and we got states uh offices in other states, mm-hmm. Arizona, obviously, and uh, yep. Utah, Nevada, things yep. like that. I've been with them for about six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, as a chainman, and I've been a party chief for a couple of years. So cool. they've been good to me. I like Somos. Love Somos. Awesome. And you, and, <laughs> Somos. And you love serving nice as well. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So you, um, a couple of things before we get on with this, I got to touch, circle back on, is you mentioned in your bio that you have a championship ring. 
Tell us a little bit about that story. I do. So that was uh, pre-surveying days. I uh, told you I had a degree in sport management from UF. And um, with that, you know, at some point, I didn't always, uh, I wasn't always planning on going into that, by the way. That's another story. Probably circle back onto that one. And um, so I got my sport management degree and I'm thinking, let's do it. Let's find out. Let's, let's, you know, I played soccer in high school. I was a big soccer fan growing up. I'm wearing a soccer jersey right now, if you couldn't tell. Um, I'm sure the podcast listeners can are thrilled to hear that. <laughs> But easy team. Uh, well, Brazil, because that's where my family's okay. from. Yep. Uh, LA Galaxy, because I worked there. I worked there right out of college. That's cool. And um, I got lots of teams other in other places in the world, but you mm-hmm. know, those are my connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so my, my championship ring came with the LA Galaxy. I was a member of their front office team back in uh, 2010 through 2012, <laughs> back in the years when they had David Beckham on the team. Peter, maybe you know David Beckham. Possibly, yes. even if you don't yes. know soccer. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I know. Yeah, I know soccer. <laughs> I know a few players, but yeah, definitely. Who doesn't know David Beckham? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I was there for, for that whole era and um, ended up winning a couple rings. I was there for one and a half of those seasons. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. oh. oh, dang. I was going to bring it down. I was going to uh, yeah. show it to you guys, but that's really cool. Photo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So have, have you on the David Beckham topic? Did you have you met David Beckham? Yeah, I mean, I met him. I was around him, yeah. uh, just being a member of the team and stuff. You know, I said hello to him. He was always just a really nice guy. Very cordial. Yeah. Yeah, very cordial. Um, when yeah, he's he's one of those guys that you could tell he's like super aware of his brand, you know. Uh-huh. And so you you'll never you'll never catch him speaking or stepping out of turn because. Uh-huh. Mm. but so whenever you meet him he will be the nicest human being you'll ever meet he'll be sure. very pleasant yeah. if you ever approach him in public you know yeah yeah <laughs> when he walks into the room is there like this glow around him oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah Until he makes he everybody around mouth. him like 10 percent more good looking yeah know? exactly <laughs> yeah yeah i love it i love it and the last thing i want to ask you about is you also mentioned that you got paid to be at the world cup in brazil i did Another highlight of my uh, sport management it's career. It's got to be, yeah. After I left the Galaxy in 2012, um, being from Brazil, my family was, and uh, having connections down there, I just booked a one-way ticket, tried to be involved and try to organize the World Cup. That was kind of my goal going into it. You know, I graduated college in 2010. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the World Cup was in 2014 and in Brazil looming. So that was kind of ult- my ultimate goal, you know, coming out of college was like, I got to be there for that. Awesome. and somehow find a way to get paid for it <laughs> so, yeah. so i found a way to make it happen and um you know i got down there and i was actually i actually got a job with the organizing committee but uh i'm gonna skip over that part because it didn't go so well <laughs> you know shit happens but i made some connections when i was there and i came back to the u.s and um kind of phoned in some some connections and some favors and ended up for a company that was selling tickets and uh packages to the world cup and they sent me out there and I was able to go to six games in uh, nice. on cool. their dime. And so that was awesome. Was it an incredible and, atmosphere? Uh, it was, it was an awesome atmosphere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just being there and uh, we, we were hosting tourists. That's, it was kind of like a travel agency type of place. We sold yeah. hotel and ticket packages and round trip hospitality, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so uh, we would take our clients to the games and uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was yeah. Amazing. And then after all that, and these are your words, not mine, you got your shit together and became a surveyor. <laughs> that is true. Yes. 
the fun so, the fun time was uh was had i guess there you go there you go well i know i land surveying you know in general and then like you want to talk about the lot a lot of the same things we talk about you know often on this show a lot of concerns and a lot of good things about the profession but before we get to that we have to do an icebreaker and this is the trimble pro point icebreaker and here we go uh would you rather sit through and keep in mind it is uh may 4th may the 4th be with you uh would you rather sit through a star wars marathon or a hangover marathon I'd probably have to say a hangover marathon simply because there are fewer of them and I don't <laughs> want to sit through like 17 days worth of Star Wars. Uh, is that the only reason? I was never big on Star Wars growing up, to be honest. Yeah. I had some friends that were, but right. I was always like, eh. I finally watched them kind of as an adult and all right, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm in the same boat. I, I, I say it all the time. I think I saw the very first one back in the 70s, again, aging myself. And haven't seen one since, but uh, like I said, I, I'm in the minority, obviously. How about you, Peter? Yeah, I I would go the hangover marathons as well, but only because the old Star Wars I really liked, mm -hmm. but I don't get into the new ones so much. Yeah, yeah. So I'd go the hangover marathons. Yeah. Well, you but know, yeah. you know my answer. Um, having yes, the uh, mentality of a five-year-old, uh, <laughs> hangover marathon, no question, no question. <laughs> It just grabs your attention all the time. Uh, it keeps well. Not only does it grab my attention, it keeps my attention. That's the important yes. thing, you know. Very few, yeah, uh, know. very few th things do that. That's very hard to do. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yes. Unfortunately. Okay. Cool. Let's get on with this. We have a lot to talk about. Um, so, Phil, I know you sent me, you know, kind of a, a list of three or four items that you know you're you're, mm. you're passionate about that you want to talk about that type thing, and um, you know, a, a lot of it revolves around the state of the profession uh, of land surveying, and everybody's got a different perspective on this so we're really excited to hear yours um obviously you know you're aware of it pete is well aware of it um worldwide there's a decline as far as the number of land surveyors go and i do believe an accurate statement would be that the average age of a land surveyor around the world continues to tick up just a little bit would you agree with that Peter? uh yeah i would totally um oh, no actually no I'm really? going to say no. You think there's a, well, yeah, because I think a lot our of them, number, our, our numbers have come down. Okay. So we were up in the high 50s, but okay. I think it's now lower, in the lower 50s now. So you're, aging out you're, aging you're, out. you're surpassed, aging out, you've, right? you've, you've surpassed <laughs> our average age. Oh, okay. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but what, but what, do you, what do you think about that, Phil? So, okay. So I hear you guys talk about this all the time, right? And I see it as an opportunity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of when I say I got my shit together and I became a land surveyor, that's kind of why I did it. I saw a big opportunity in this field mm -hmm. um, and I decided to give it a shot and go for it. And seven years later, you know, uh, it was a, the right move for me for sure. And the reason I see it as, a, as an opportunity is because exactly what you said, you know, people are aging out, yep. right? Mm. So what's happening? They're the, the, the land surveyors are going away, shorter supply and simple economics is going to tell us, right? Supply and demand, right? So if there are fewer land surveyors out there. They're going to be in higher demand. And so people are really going to need to, you know, people are going to gravitate towards it because all of a sudden land surveyors, you know, theoretically should be 
charging more for our services, mm-hmm. right? Oh. Uh, that probably circles into something mm-hmm. that you, another thing that you talk about is how surveyors mm-hmm. aren't great businessmen and that whole thing. But that's kind of the gist yeah. of it, you know. I just I see an opportunity for the younger crowd to come in and, yeah, really Absolutely. take over an industry. No question. Yeah. So, so Phil, you say. Um, what was it seven years ago or whatever you you made that decision what attracted you to it like how did you know I mean most we we know most people don't know about surveying or know what we do so how did you how did you see that potential how did you find out okay so my story is is, is kind of complicated hey this is uh this is tippy oh. Oh. Hey, uh so when I was working in the sports industry I was, uh, I was doing sales. I was in a, in a role that honestly I couldn't take. I hate it. I was telling you guys, I don't like, I don't really like being in social media. I'm not mm-hmm. one to make cold calls. I despise making cold calls, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I was kind of stuck in that. And because when you're in sports, as in when you're in a lot of other high demand positions, because there are a lot of people who want to work in the sports industry, uh, you get put in the, you know, the entry level roles and you get stuck doing some things that you might not want to do and you have to work up right well i i was trying to work up and i hated my job at that point and i had done sales for five or six years i was like i gotta get out so after the world cup i um i decided all right well i can either try to keep going in sports try to find a different job and i was applying to some you know different roles and that sort of thing but nothing was really panning out and so i thought you know what if i'm gonna make a career choice now's the time to do it Mm -hmm. And I just kind of went back to basics and I thought, you know, what am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? And um, to be honest, I went to a uh, kind of a, a career counselor type of person oh, <laughs> and okay. I took a, um, I took a, an aptitude test. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And um, in that aptitude test, it's like, you know, select a few careers you might be interested in. I saw land surveyor on there and I didn't know what a land surveyor was. Yeah. Um, and I was like, hey, I kind of have heard about this and I know presidents were this, so let's see what's up. And my skill set from the aptitude test happened to align perfectly with the land surveyor, with the skills of the land surveyor. It's like, all right, let's give that a shot. Um, so I was like, well, let me, let me see what I can do. So I looked into it, thought about going back to college, first of all. I told you I graduated with sport management. I was a civil engineering major mm. for the first two years of my, uh, <laughs> first two years of my college career. But um, then a good time ended that. And uh, also <laughs> statics. Statics was a very boring <laughs> class. Um, and so, yeah, basically I wanted to get back into that whole thing of how, you know, how do I use my skills? I'm, I'm good at math. I'm good at all mm. these things. And I, I just found land surveying. I did some research and I found, um, you know, the local 12, the union out here. Oh, yeah. And I saw that I don't need to go back to college for that. You can get on the job training yep. um, and it's basically up to you to be able to work your way up. And so that's how I got into the, the profession and that's how I got here today, you know, from not knowing a single thing, what yep. a land surveyor was at all to uh, loving it. <laughs> yeah. And how long have you been working in uh, the surveying industry? Seven years now. I want to Seven say, years yeah. is it? Okay. Well, you yeah. got, like you have the perfect story really, you know, wouldn't you agree, Peter? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's amazing how many career change people come into the industry. Right. As well. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, and talk about the union a little bit. You know, like, you know, you, you you made the comment that you know you realized you didn't have to go back to school to have a successful career in in land surveying, and I, I'd like to highlight that just a little bit. In your case, you know, you had the you're in California, of course, and you have the union there, and you know they have the apprenticeship program. Talk about the uh, you know the benefits of that just a little bit. Yeah. So again, because I was at the state that I was in, I was 29 years old. I had already gone to college. I had already had college debt and I don't know, maybe paid off college debt at that point. I'm not trying to rack up more college debt and go back to college, you know? And so for me to become something close to an engineer, you know, I might not have an engineering degree, but I work in the same field as an engineer working very closely with them, you know, doing a lot of uh, a lot of things with numbers and measurements and, you know, and so, yeah, naturally surveying became the, the goal. And so what I did was I basically just Googled like land surveyor, California, and I was trying to see, you know, what's, what are my options out here? I found like um, CSLA or CSLA, California Land Surveyor Association. And, you know, basically just did my research. I Googled some stuff. I did some research. I found what, um, what, the, what the wages were for certain levels in, uh, in the profession and, you know, what requirements, like what would I need to be certain levels? I Googled uh, job openings for different cities, you know, city of Los Angeles and mm-hmm. to see what the salaries were. And during all my research, mm-hmm. I found the, uh, the union program, yep. right? And, you know, guys could come in here and talk about it. I know they have, I've heard them, but it's, it's simple. It's, you know, two and a half, three years you're you're learning and you're taking like a, a weekly course more or less mm-hmm. uh for you know they call it five semesters so two and a half years but and the biggest thing is like you're working and you're learning at the same time the the salaries the wages that you get paid are posted right there on the website so i knew what i would be getting as soon as i started mm-hmm. and while it wasn't great at the time i could see what mm-hmm. the advancement was how long it would take me and i could do some mental math and figure out hey in two years, yeah. I could be making as much as I did in the sports industry as I made in five years. Sure. So it was kind of a no-brainer, you know. Absolutely. And I, again, and I don't have to go back to college and spend the money to go back to college to do something right that yeah. I could really contribute into. So I take it over there in California um, through the union, everybody gets paid the same rates. Yeah. Is that? Is that it? Because I know, like all across you know, all across the world, different. You know, there's rates, different rates everywhere. But you even looking in America, and you read things on social media, which you don't do much of, but you read a lot of it of people who um, are getting paid ridiculously little for the work that they do in different states. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I, I, really I mean, interesting to me. It, yeah, it is. And uh, I mean, Phil, you, you you tell me. I mean, I, I think that being a part of the union has many advantages. And in some way, people might think that since everybody with a certain amount of experience all gets kind of paid the same, um, you know, there there's other benefits for uh, as far as being part of the union. I mean, the, the apprenticeship program, I mean, it. I know something else you wanted to talk about was like, you know, mentoring and the importance of mentoring. Um I mean, I don't think the apprenticeship takes the place of mentoring, right? But the apprenticeship does still provide tremendous value to keep you on the path and give you a path to make the money that you ultimately want to make. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, in surveying as well as in, as in any industry, really, it is kind of what you make it, you know? And so yeah. 
if you're in the union and you don't know what you're doing and you kind of you're half-assing it and your heart's not in it, then you know you're not really gonna survive because ultimately people need somebody who can do the job, mm. right? So you know, there's probably a little bit of a weed out process too. So what I was just saying is that I mean, for me, the union was perfect in my situation. Like I said, in the middle of a career change. And um, sorry, where were we going? We're talking about mentoring now, right? <laughs> That's what you're talking well, about. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like the, the union and the apprenticeship program uh, is great because it gives you a, a path and a track to follow. Um, but it doesn't necessarily take the place of mentoring. You still need to have, in order to be, all, you know, to reach your highest potential, there still needs to be a mentoring component. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that in, in our industry, in, uh, in our union, you know, that happens in classes and, you know, we have teachers and um, for two and a half years and, you know, they teach the, the students and the apprentices and, but really the mentoring comes out in the fields, you know, that's where you learn how to do all your stuff. That's where your, your chief should be, should be teaching you. Now, if your teach isn't, if your chief isn't teaching you stuff, that's a different uh, conversation to be had, mm -hmm. you know, but ultimately, um, again, and it, it just want to hark back to what I was saying is like the opportunity is there, you know, once your foot is in the door, like the opportunity is there, you know, you can, you can, uh, you can take it as far as you really want to go, Yeah, you know, and uh, as long as you have good, you know, good mentors, you can seek them out. And, you know, where I've gotten to at this point in my life, I actually had a great mentor, shout out to Juan. He was, uh, he was tough on me, but he did teach me a lot. Um, and he also taught me a lot of stuff that I, you know, learned, uh, what, uh, what I probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah. <laughs> learned <laughs> against him, you know? Sure. But, um, you know, I'm taking that knowledge and I'm passing it on to, you know, my apprentices at this point. And so yeah. just trying to, you know, that's, that's the important, you got to keep the chain, keep the chain, uh, links, yeah. you know, keep the chains linked together, you yeah. know, keep it going, pass, pay it forward. Hey, Geoholics. Quick shout out to Monson Engineering. Monson Engineering is the leading supplier of surveying, GIS mapping, scanning solution products for the design build industry in the Intermountain West since 1974. Man. When were you born, Sean? <laughs> Not then. They provide cutting edge design build technologies and supplies, including Trimble GPS, Teledyne Optech 3D scanners, Spectra Precision Total Stations, Tiny Mobile Robots, Emicent Hovermap 3D scanners, DGI drones, Sokia levels, and Topcon lasers. These guys pride themselves in being your one stop shop throughout all the phases of your project planning to completion. From drones to lasers, total stations, or high-accuracy GPS equipment, they have what you need when you need it. To learn more, go to monsonengineering.com and be sure to let them know the Geoholic sent you for those deep, deep discounts. So during that, that program, um, you were obviously interacting with other students at that time. Did you find that there were students who, because we know that there's good companies and there's bad companies, um, and, you know, you've got the good companies that are giving the mentoring and teaching and all that kind of stuff. Did you notice that there were some students who, who weren't getting that mentorship as they were going through the program? Oh, yeah, I can see yeah. that. I can really see that um, a lot, actually, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, all I can say is that, you know, I can't really control much that. I can just control what I can do, <laughs> you know? Oh, of course, I yeah. A, uh, mm -hmm. 
I remember a, a guest you had a couple of uh, episodes ago. He was he was saying that you know just focus on what you can do. Mm. And so, you know, I'm not I'm not the type of person who's going to go out there and lead the charge on. Hey, everybody, we should be mentoring. I'm just going to focus on. Hey, I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to mentor. I'm going to mm-hmm. you know teach the kid, teach the people um, yeah. who are working with me, teach the guys and girls. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there have been any girls working as my chainman recently. But you need I to would. change that. You need to. Fix I would. <laughs> but um, again, opportunities. But, oh, well, yeah, don't worry. I'll be the one that that. Um, what do you what do you call it? I'll be the one to to put it out there to say that we need mentoring. You just keep doing what you're doing, Phil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And correct me if I'm wrong, Phil. I mean, in California, you do you do or you don't need a four year degree. You don't, right? No, you don't. To become a licensed uh, surveyor, right? You do not, um, it, you know, it's like if you have a four-year degree, you can come out and have certain requirements, but mm-hmm. if you don't have a four-year degree, you can also become a licensed surveyor, Sure. which again, opportunity for mm. kids who don't want to go to college, yep. you know, um, who necess- college might not be necessarily the case for them. For like, sure. Yeah. So that, that question can kind of leads into, um, is that a profession or is it a trade? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, I would say, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, you know, you guys mentioned that before that there's um there's like those Facebook groups, right? I've never read into them, but I've heard about them, and they're mm. I I don't know what they say, but I can probably guess what they say, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those guys, I would say, are probably the tradesmen, mm. right? Mm. Those are the ones where if you come in with the right attitude, the right mentality you can quickly move up and make yourself more valuable than those types of guys. Mm. And you can be the professional that your company needs you to be yep. in all truth. Right. I, so I, that's what, that's really what the younger, you know, what the younger generation has the opportunity to do mm-hmm. come in here, maybe not go to college, you know, have the opportunity to come in and learn, be a mentor and ultimately grow in a profession that really needs uh, a lot of leading professionals because there is a lack of leadership, you know, once you get to certain levels. Yeah. Well said, well said, you know, and it's one of those things that, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence on that question. I, uh, Pete, I I will be interested to hear your, your opinion, but um, you know, it's a lot of it is boils down to how you present yourself. You know, I mean, if you present yourself as if you're working in a trade and I don't want to, be negative of tr- the trades by any means, but there are a lot of people out there that get offended if you call surveying a trade versus a profession. And I definitely see the argument both both ways. You know, I mean, if you, you know, if you're in a state that requires a four year degree to become a professional surveyor, you know, okay, you know, it, it's probably more of a profession maybe in that state, but not everybody's going to be a professional surveyor. So those that are, you know outstanding crew chiefs and, you know, I'men and cat operators and this and that just because they don't have a four-year degree doesn't mean they're considered a trade, you know, or tradespeople. Um, mm. It's a, it's an interesting conversation. It really, really is. And, you know, you compare it to like, you know, electricians or plumbers or this and that. And there's an argument to be made that in a lot of states where you, it isn't required to have a degree of any type, it could very easily fall into the trade category. Um, but, you know, we want to be looked at as a profession 
it's a profession. Um, it's it's yeah. the same over here, like, you know, because my qualification is a technical qualification. So I fit into the trades side of it. Mm. But I've always worked with registered surveyors and see it as, well, even though I'm only a technician and don't have the degree and am not registered or licensed or anything like mm -hmm. that, I still work in the profession. Mm -hmm. We're providing a service to the client mm -hmm. and, and it's a very important service. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, having to take the you know, health and welfare of the public into consideration. Um, yeah. But then again, you know, devil's advocate, advocate, electricians do the same thing. Plumbers do the same thing. Um, you know, all trades people that make a very good living and not mm -hmm. going to college, you know, that's what I was going to try to touch on is yeah. that, you know, we got to get rid of the stigma yes. of profession versus trade. hundred percent. First of all, I agree. Right. I went to college. I have a degree. Does that make me more valuable than, you mm -hmm. know, somebody who works at the same company as me possibly and started out in the apprenticeship program at the age of 18? No. Right. Mm -hmm. Does it make me more of a, you know, just because I, I went to college, but now I'm a surveyor. Now I'm a tradesman. Does that make me less than some of the people I used to work in the office with? No. Nope. Right? I mean, and again, I think it's all kind of cyclical guys. It is. That's, and what's happened was, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the older generations and um, they started telling their kids, you know, go to college, right? Everybody go to college, get your degree. That's the mm -hmm. best thing for you. Right. So everybody starts going to college. Guess what? Now the market is saturated with lots of people who have college degrees mm -hmm that can't get jobs yep and even if they do get a job you know you're going to be making something that you can make at age 18 coming out of, coming out of school and starting at a in a trade program mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like i said i came out of college making you know something like 35 dollars a year working mm -hmm. in the sports industry five years later i was making like 55 dollars a year right and with a college degree yep. in serving i was making sixty thousand dollars a year after two years yeah, right you know what I'm saying? It's a great As plumbers, point. electricians, they yeah. can be making that money too. Absolutely. The market is going to yeah. get flooded. People are already talking about it, right? Yeah. How much is a college degree really worth? For a lot of people, it's not the answer. Mm. That's what I'm trying to preach. Even if it's not surveying, guys, even if it's not surveying, mm -hmm. other trades out there, other, other avenues, other jobs, professions for these kids. Granted, all right, I'm going to take a caveat right here. I don't have kids. This is all sort of uh, anecdotal, you know, <laughs> but I really think that there's, we've come to a tipping point where the youth of America, like we're going to see a shift. We're going to see another shift where people are going to stop going to college, mm. right? Or the ones who are going to college, they're going to start getting higher degrees, MBAs until that market gets saturated at some point in the future, yep. right? But right now is the time to take advantage of the opportunity where, what are you going to do? Spend tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a college degree mm. or start working for, you know, $18 an hour yep. in a, in a union, in a trade. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, to be honest with you. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, surveying is such a unique career path. You know, there is, I am a proponent of education. I'm not necessarily a proponent. And I've said this a gazillion times. I'm not necessarily a proponent of a four-year degree. I do think that 
you know, a happy medium would be a two-year degree. Um, mm. And I am in favor of that. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where mentoring becomes really, really important to become really, really good at what you do as far as being a surveyor. The mentoring aspect is the key component. I was very, very fortunate in my career to have had an amazing mentor right out of the gate. You know, the first 12 years of my career, I worked with a gentleman that to this day, I essentially thank every day because it wasn't for him. I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. Not everybody gets that opportunity. And they was it Trent Keenan. No, <laughs> no, but trend is awesome. No doubt about it. Um, you know, but it's one of those things that, you know, not everybody gets those opportunities, you know, and finding good quality mentors becomes more and more of a challenge. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. It really is when it comes to surveying, but you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's one of those things where you, you can make a very, very good living without having to spend a hundred thousand dollars in college. And, uh, you know, it's just getting the word out, you know, I mean, like, Phil, you're a great spokesperson, you know, it'd be amazing if you could carve out time to get in front of, you know, high school students to tell your story. Um, great passion, great story. And, uh, you know, I think it could be really, really impactful if you got in front of some of these kids for sure. And I think that's the age group that we're missing out on is like that high school age group, because they don't know, even that surveying exists as a career. That's the biggest thing. You know, I had, you mentioned Trent and I had talked to Trent a while back. It's like, you know what? We need to get in front of uh, high school guidance counselors. Let them know about this. And that is a start, you know, and then Trent, uh, not long after that, he went to a national conference of high school guidance counselors and had a booth set up promoting surveying. And, uh, you know, he said it was super, super rewarding, but, you know, people just don't know about it. That's the it's biggest true. thing. Yeah. And like, I didn't know about it. <laughs> well, I, got a I mean, of that, mine. sorry, go through. No, I was just going to say, I got another friend of mine into, into the union, into the company. He didn't know about it either. Interesting. You know, yeah. just, people just don't know about it. Yeah. And I, I want to circle back to what you said. You know, you took this, you know, you reached out to like a career counselor type, you know, type person and you took an aptitude test. And it was surprising to me that surveying came up as, as a career path. That, I mean, that's very promising. Um, so yeah, that, that was good news. Well, it's yeah. like that. What I what I did to what what I did yesterday. They yeah. none of the girls knew what surveying was. Yep, for sure. You know, one of the teachers knew and said, um, "Can you just explain to the audience what surveying is?" Because mm -hmm. I don't think they know. I'm yep. like, "Oh, yes, yep. <laughs> should have known that." But yeah, you know what so, you guys need to do. What? You guys need to get all of your all of your creative contacts, all the people you've gotten to know throughout your years in the show, right? Yeah. Uh, the comic book guy comes to mind right yeah, yeah. uh and uh and the, the comedians they might have been on the same episode actually but you got to get those guys together and you got to come up with some really cool like surveying characters something like that right uh -huh. or even just some existing characters like get like abraham lincoln and george washington right. and like you know lewis and clark and then they like you know hunt vampires although i think that's already <laughs> a thing with abraham lincoln so maybe that's copyright infringement <laughs> that's <right. laughs> But, or yeah. just use that to the advantage. I mean, yeah. a survey truck is a natural, is, is a vampire's natural or enemy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just yeah. something cool, you know, got, you got to get something creative and different to engage, yeah. to get kids, you know, following it at the very least. Mm -hmm. 100%. And there's been, even been talk about making a, like a, a surveyor video game. You know, that would be really cool. It's going to take somebody spending a bunch of money to create something like that. But um, Peter, maybe you could, 
shed some light on this. I know that uh, Elaine Ball, as a matter of fact, was talking about getting surveys somehow into Minecraft, correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. So she was sort of talking about it and I actually was working with a math teacher um, who has built in to a small beta program of Minecraft where students can go in and mm. do measurements and, cool. you know, navigate through different things and work out heights and elevations and stuff like that. So Elaine was sort of talking about it when we were together last year about, yeah. you know, getting it into Minecraft or games or something. And so, yeah, it was like, well, speak to this teacher and see what he's done and then take it from there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's had meetings with Minecraft mm-hmm. and, um, something really is cool. going to happen something's ha- something's happening yeah um yeah that's about yeah. all i can say at yeah. the moment and that's that's, so the that's pro- pretty exciting it's it really cool. it is that's for really sure cool. and that's the that's the that's the promising thing you know there are you know a lot of people doing a lot of really cool things to promote the profession and i do think it's yeah. making an impact you know like the last few conferences i've been to um it was very very refreshing to see a lot more younger faces, you know, walking through yeah. the exhibitors hall and attending, um, you know, the, the, the various presentations and that type thing. So I think that a difference is being made, which is mm. very, very promising. Um, and the thing is, I mean, surveying now is just, it's such a small part of the geospatial umbrella, you know, I mean, with surveying now, I mean, not, not to beat a dead horse, but you know, the technology that we have in our hands every single day is crazy. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's awesome, and any kid probably would love to have their hands on it and doing a lot of the things that surveyors do. They just need to get exposed to it. That's, yeah, that's right. Um, yep. you, you talk about, you know, the younger faces coming into conferences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We don't seem to have as much of that over here in Australia like you guys have over there in America. Um, you know, uh, unless you're a graduate or registered they're the ones that are going to the conferences. They're the ones that are doing their CPD because the technical surveyors don't need to do CPD. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones that are hands-on and doing uh, all of the work with all the cool equipment and they just sort of get, um, you know, speak to the manufacturers, this is how you do it, yep, okay, and off they go and run with it. Mm-hmm. So we don't get that younger generation coming through the conferences over here oh, as much. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's so... It's something that, you know, because they don't have to have the CPD. That's the biggest thing that it comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Phil, mm. I'd like to get your opinion on something. And this was something that was maybe you listened to the episode. Uh, and I believe I want to make sure I give him credit. Tim Birch is one thing is one is the person that brought this up. And he thought and, I, and I'm not sure how serious he was, but he threw out the idea of, you know, the, the surveying licensure almost being like a medical license. So like, you know, you get a general practitioner's type license, which allows you as, you know, a licensed surveyor at that level to do certain things, you know, and then you can get like specialization certifi- certifications like here, you know, I'm a licensed surveyor with a specialization in Alta surveys or, you know, whatever, a number of different things, you know, 3D scanning, what have you. And, and I got to think about it, like, that's not such a bad idea when you think about it. I mean, obviously it'll never happen because, you know, getting a change like that made is like, you know, turning a, a battleship, as they say, it'll never happen in my lifetime, but it's kind of a cool idea. That would be kind of cool. Um, yeah. It'd be like diluting a, a already small pool too. You it know, would. <laughs> yeah. Certain smaller. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting, you know, topic for discussion. The other thing is, you know, without us really having a standardized 
path to licensure. I think that that hurts the profession as well. You know, every yeah. state has different requirements and uh, it gets very, very, very confusing. You know, you, you talk about about the the different licenses and I brought that up with Narelle. I, we had a, a very, it wasn't heated conversation. It was a, it was a great conversation about um, being, you know, licensed as a, a land or engineering or, you know, taking those different levels of, 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 of licensing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sort of came at a different perspective of she doesn't think it's a good idea because people have enough trouble working out what they need a surveyor for. Mm-hmm. So then how do they work out what kind of surveyor they need? It just makes it all too complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she gave a different a different perspective of where kind of made me think twice about it because I thought it was a good idea as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. I think that mm-hmm. you know we still just have to do a little bit more grassroots work and just mm-hmm. educating the public of what a surveyor like, even is. Not even just what not what a surveyor does, mm-hmm. you know not the specifics of what the job is and how cool the job is, just yep. literally what a surveyor is because yeah. people don't know, right? There are yep. a lot of jobs out there that people don't know about. People know about doctors and engineers and lawyers and marketing executives, yep. but they don't know what surveyors are, right? Yep. So I, I think, you know, maybe one way to start is just kind of like, let's put some subliminal messaging in <laughs> places. Like, do we have, is, is there a survey lobby? Do you guys know this? I, I should have done a little research. Is there a survey lobby? I mean, you know, the National Society of Professional Surveyors has lobbyists that, you know, works on behalf of the profession that, you know, they, they're on Capitol Hill all the time. Lobbying they need for to get the off the of Capitol Hill and they need to go to Hollywood. Mm. They need to go to Hollywood and they need to like subliminally insert surveyors into movies and TV shows. So that can incept young minds into just the normalization, right? Like yeah. it, does, it, it could be like a like a C character, like the main characters, you know, best friend's girlfriend, her dad's a surveyor, <laughs> that's a surveyor. you know, and she just casually mentions it in a conversation. And so that's like, okay, yeah, I've heard of a land surveyor. Sure. Yeah. You know, they need to be doing that sort of thing so that people are aware of the profession yeah. so that when it comes time to talk to that guidance counselor and they're like, oh, hey, maybe you'd be a land surveyor. It's like, oh, I've heard of a land surveyor. What is that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and not just <laughs> the guy sitting at the end of the bar. Yeah, <laughs> they, can't, they, can't, they can't cast the surveyor as, you know, the uh, alcoholic psychopath. That would not do us any good. No, definitely sure. not. So, Phil, let me ask What's you this. What's your, um, uh, from your perspective, like for someone to be a, you know, a successful surveyor, whether it be, you know, a, you know, at the you know, crew chief level or someone who ultimately wants to become licensed, what are some of the traits that you think somebody needs to possess? You know, whether it be personality traits or skill set, um, what, what do you think that looks like these days? Well, I think it's just like being successful at, at any level in any career. You know, you just, you have to be focused and determined and organized in what you're doing. You know, you have to understand what your job is and be a problem solver and find a way to to get it accomplished, right? And that's true for a surveyor. That's true for anybody. Um, if you can do that, then you can be successful at whatever job you choose. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of being a land surveyor in particular, you know, it doesn't hurt that you're good with the equipment. You're you're good at understanding certain specifics about your job. You know, traffic flow patterns. You know, for instance. But um, yeah, just overall, just having the right that right attitude and the right mentality goes mm-hmm. a long way, I think. Sure. Now, how do you sell that to 
younger people, kids and stuff coming in, like you've got to try and entice them or, or say, you know, your skill set is suited to surveying. That's sort of, you know, where we're at and trying to entice younger ones into the industry. Well, at that point is, you know, that's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have that answer. I just have uh, anecdotal, you know, ideas, I guess. Mm. Yeah. But So you, know. you say that you've got apprentices, you know, you're, you're now mentoring apprentices and stuff like that. What are some of the skill sets that they have that you can see that are going to make them good surveyors? The most important one, honestly, is uh, that somebody is is focused and listening well, right? Mm-hmm. Having a good listener who understands what what I need them as a party chief, um, that's number one, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, having a good attitude, also, you know, not just listening and hearing what I say, and mm-hmm. you know, doing what I'm what I'm asking you to do, and you know, not fighting me every step of the way on it. Not that people do that, but you know, that's what I'm looking for. Really, I'm not looking for somebody who's perfect. I'm looking for somebody yep. who can, who can um, take direction and yep. who, when they inevitably mess up, will say, hey, uh, you know, I messed up. They let me know. We fix it. We move on, right? It's just, you know, keeping things into perspective, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Always, I always try to keep things in perspective, you know? I've had, uh, I'm sure you guys have had crew chiefs that'll, that'll uh, you know, lose, lose their shit and just blow up, blow up at you and you know, I hated that. I hate that still to this day. So I try not to do that. Yep. You know, try to understand that, you know, where they're at, I was at, I'll be at again sometime in the future. You know, if I'm learning a new uh, skill set, you know, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be learning from somebody. Just always keep, keep it in perspective, you know? Yeah. I think that comes down to always saying that, you know, you've got to be the right person for, for a job and you also have to have, um, yeah, that right attitude. Hey, Sean. What's up, buddy? Let's uh, talk a little bit about AirWorks. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Born at MIT, inspired by the advances in aerial data acquisition and the potential power of AI, AirWorks was founded by David Morsnick and Adam Kersnowski in August of 2017. Yeah, it was. Their complementary backgrounds in aerospace engineering, drones, and construction led to a combined desire to harness the power of technology to automate a traditionally time-consuming aerial data processing approach. Tell us more. Uh, Sure. Headquartered in Boston, AirWorks employs a team of unmatched AI experts, software developers, sales experts, marketers, geographers, and civil engineers all working together to redefine the future of mapping for the built world. And some other big news. Yeah. We just chatted with uh, David and Adam at GeoWeek last week, and they announced that they have recently formed a strategic partnership with Datasite and NearMap strengthening their position in the 3D world, no question. Innovation is definitely in their DNA. And to find out more, simply go to airworks.io. How many, how many, um, how many crews have you got? Oh, you know, I just work in the field with one crew and, you know, I get okay. my chainman. I switch my chainman up or I don't. The office will switch my chainman as necessary, mm. that sort of thing. But um, so yeah, I mean, I've worked with I've worked with guys younger than me. I've worked with guys older than me. Never really had any issues uh, in terms of the people I work with, which is good. <laughs> Probably makes for a good uh, a good job when you're working with good people. 
Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I try to, I try to find common ground as a leader. You know, I try to find common ground and see, you know, try to feel a person out to see if, uh, if we do have things in common yeah. and if so, what they are. And if we don't have things in common, mm-hmm. try not to, uh, try not to touch on those and try to maybe find some avenues around it, that sort of thing. So, yeah, you know, so that, just, that sort of comes adaptable. into the lead. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes into the leadership position, doesn't it? Yeah. It just have to be adaptable to yep. uh, whatever comes your way. Really. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about, um, you know, obviously we talked about the technology a little bit and how quickly it is advancing. It's hard to keep up with it, you know, and now of course the talk is artificial intelligence and virtual reality. We're already, you know, using robotics on a daily basis. Um, you know, what, do you have any, uh, any opinions on that? Do you see that? Where do you see that going? Can I be honest? I think it's a little bit overblown. <laughs> I think the technology is happening and it's great. And, um, you know, a lot of this, like, um, that, um, smash technology, is that what it's called? Slam. Where the slam. Slam. Yeah. slam technology stuff, you know, I think that's, I think that's a, that's a way off from replacing field surveyors and, you know, doing what we can do. I think it's cool and it's interesting to see. And there are really useful technologies that are, you know, at our fingertips at this moment uh, in the field that are really helpful and really cool. But um, yeah, as far as, you know, AI is going to take our jobs, I don't think, I don't think we're anywhere near that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think there's some ways that it could improve our workflows um, yeah. and maybe yeah. make things easier, but I mean, it, I don't see it replacing us. That's for sure. No, yeah. it's learning how to use, use the technology to our advantage. Yes. Yes. And manage exactly. it. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Harnessing the, the power of the technology. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. But another opportunity for people, you know. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much opportunity exactly. in the geospatial world. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. There is so much out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what, what are you excited about? Like, what are you excited about five years down the road? Uh, you know, to be honest, I'm just kind of taking it uh, one step at a time. You know, at this point, I'm finishing my program. I'm uh, I'm looking to get my LS at some point in nice. the near future. That's uh, definitely one of my goals. Uh, something that's preventing me from doing that is getting office hours. And to be honest, I don't really want to work in an office again. <laughs> um, I've been in the field for too long, and it's great. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, no, I will eventually. I'll do it. I'll get my LS, sure. and then. Go from there, you know. Yeah. In five years, I can't tell you in five years because in five years I'm gonna look back and see what I'm saying, listening to this podcast, and be like, "Man, I was stupid back then." <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, that's great. You've recorded it now, <laughs> but you know, it's funny you talk about you know love being out in the field, and the the further you progress, the higher you progress in getting your qualifications and and licenses and things like that, leads you back towards the office which is not the reason we started in the first place mm. because we loved the outdoors. It's, it's a funny, funny little thing. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things, I mean, sure. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, you don't have to be pigeonholed in the field or you don't have to be pigeonholed into the office. You know, if you play your no. cards right and you get the, the right experience, you can do mm-hmm. both. And if you're good at both the field side and the office side, that's like the golden goose right there. There's no doubt about mm. it. It's so hard to find those those folks for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, there's options, which is the beautiful thing. And we need good people and at, at every level. Yeah, there's definitely opportunity out there. 
No question. People are retiring every day. Yep. Yep. Um, gosh, that's about all I got. Is there anything else, Phil, that maybe we hadn't touched on yet? Oh, shoot. Probably at some point, it's something I wanted to talk about, but that's all right. <laughs> we'll have you back. We'll have you back. Yeah, sure, I think not? we've I think we've had some good conversation. I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there cool. any, um, we asked this question to everybody. You probably know what's coming. Uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? Oh, yeah. Um, not really a mantra. I don't really have one, but it, you know, just the golden rule, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. That's really just how I try to live my life. Try not to, uh, mm. you know, try not to judge people that you don't, that you're just seeing on the street that, you know, whatever, just everybody treat everybody the way you want to be treated. And, um, that's it, man. The world would be a better place if everybody kind of lived by that rule. I think hundred percent. I love that one. You can't go wrong totally with that agree. one. Yep. Yeah. All right. Any, uh, any parting words there, Peta? Have a good weekend. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for, uh, it's my, it's my Friday. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thanks for being available uh, last minute and jumping on with us. Really appreciate Welcome. it as always. Mm -hmm. Nice to meet you. Thanks All right. Yes. All right. Well, thanks again, Phil. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you guys. Awesome. I uh, had a great time. <laughs> thanks uh, for having me. You bet. Thank you again. All right. Adding value and making friends. If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show like Phil, shoot us an email info at the geoholics.com. We'd love to have you. The way I see it, everybody has a story. It's our job to uh, get people talking, and people love to talk about themselves. So, uh, just like Phil. Uh, the Strokes, <laughs> Reptilia, available everywhere. Until next time, everyone. Check out Mentoring Mondays, Roundtable Tuesday, and Wisdom Wednesdays. Most importantly, be safe and healthy.